Welcome to Mom Jeans. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And whether you wear a boyfriend, boot cut, high rise, or low rise, this podcast is going to teach you to love the jeans you're in. So mamas, put your booty in a chair and let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two, Your Story. Today we are discussing your story and are you your mom's jeans? There are so many stories in our families being passed down about weight, body size, how we carried our babies, our birth stories, and how easily we should be losing or gaining the weight. So ultimately, we're talking about how much emphasis do we put on these stories? And based off that emphasis, how much do we accept our genetic makeup versus understanding and accepting our unique bodies? Today, it's going to be talking about our personal stories and how we feel around them, not about the medical. The medical will be saved for later. I'm super excited about today to be chatting. Me too. I'm very excited because this is a lot of what I do in my therapeutic practice. There's a theory called narrative therapy that we practice in psychotherapy, and it helps people separate out themselves from their problems by realizing the meaning they have put on their life experiences and the stories that they've written in their heads. And in therapy, we work on helping people rewrite those stories by taking away any of the meanings that they have developed about themselves, their bodies, their relationships, and put it in a place where it feels a lot more productive for them to be thinking about them. So we are really excited to help people understand their stories and how that has led to their body image currently, and then potentially unpack some of that. So I'm super curious, Tina, what stories did your family share and pass down about their bodies? So for me personally, my body image story growing up has been nothing but positive. I have felt and had a very positive experience. However, there are certain instances that I remember specifically with my mom that I remember hearing but never really affected me in a negative way. And whether that's based off of my genetic makeup or my personality, it it didn't really affect me in a way that carried into my adulthood body image experience. But the story around that is I remember her standing in front of the mirror in her underwear, acknowledging certain parts of her body saying, oh, if I could just get rid of these parts of my body, specifically hips and stomach, and really accentuating that, that I remember her talking about. I remember specifically about her clothing sizes, that she had a rotation of three different sizes in her closet. And as a result, her weight was fluctuating. But I really feel that she did a good job of either quote unquote hiding it or separating her body image struggle from me. And I later... Uh, sat down with her to talk to her about this and she shared with me a little bit about her experience and in that it was a lot deeper and more of a struggle than I ever picked up on so I did thank her for 
really not exposing me to anything deeper and really trying for herself to engage in that self-care and not put it on to me or shame my body because ultimately her and I have do have very similar body shapes which are the, those booties and those boobies. And so we've included the interview with my mom. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, mom. Hi, Christina. How's it going? Fine. Well, thanks for letting me talk to you and interview you. Thank you for asking me. No. I wanted to interview you today because Rachel and I are doing this podcast talking about um, our own experiences around our bodies, so telling our stories. And when we're kind of talking about it and, you know, I'm like recapping what I'm going to talk about on the show, I distinctly remember certain things as a kid growing up, and so I wanted to ask you your opinion on that. And so what I had thought about and distinctly remember as a kid was that, and not in a negative way, but you commenting on certain parts of your body in a possibly a joking manner, like grabbing at certain parts and being like, if I could just, you know, if I could just get rid of this and grabbing it, or if I could just shift this size or whatnot. And I I remember three specific sizes that you would float between. And so I'm just curious on your perspective of that, because I only have my perspective. So what's your perspective on that time period? Yeah, your your recollection of that is correct. And I really don't recall when those thoughts actually began. Mm -hmm. I just remember having the uh, thought and wanting to please everyone else and wanting to like look perfect for somebody else or everyone else and not really being comfortable in my own skin or wanting to uh, be be pleasing to myself Mm -hmm. and growing up I recall family uh, saying, oh, you have so-and-so's body, or you um, have so-and-so shape, or, you know, sides of the family. Mm-hmm. And um, so with that, it was just like, I just fluctuated with different sizes and uh, tried to, or got discouraged if I... would go up up or always tried to go down and be pleasing to society or feel uncomfortable if some of our friends were uh in in better sizes than myself and really size means absolutely nothing to me today right you know a, a number 
means nothing. Yeah. And that's, but what you're talking about was very true. It's just like I used to hold on to my hip and like actually pretend I was shaving it. Oh, uh-huh. if I could just take off like half an inch here or I should push my legs up and say I had a very thin waist. Uh-huh. And if I could just like, and I used to like try to shave off this and, you know, push it up to my waist and say, you know, if I could just put this up to my waist or press it up to my breast and have bigger breasts and get rid of my hips you know yeah being comfortable with you know my you know that maybe and I don't even have huge hips no I think and I don't even have a I don't even have an oversized butt but but (laughs) cut on words it's just it was named oh you have the blank but the blank but you know and it's like so I grew up thinking I had this huge butt because it was like oh you have the blank butt and I'm just saying that to protect privacy with the family sure we don't want to say that last name name, but you know but I mean it was just told oh you have the blank butt so all I remember that even as a kid like you have the bubble butt of that family yeah and so so it's like I don't even have a huge butt so I mean still even to this day with family in town this last weekend those terms are being used it's it's funny it but it's it's still being talked about you know and by, so, but why do you think that that was created, that stigma was created? It just, it, it was just, it was created because so-and-so had that shape. Mm-hmm. And then if you, through DNA or, you know, birth, were shaped like that person... It was just like, oh, instead of saying, oh, how nice, you were, you're shaped like so-and-so, mm-hmm. you know, and taking it as a compliment, mm-hmm. it was perceived as a negative. As a negative. And it might have been a compliment, but it wasn't taken as a compliment. So do you think that that's why then you kind of felt like you needed to change that part of your body because you were told that it was large and different or? Well, I I think it was, I did it because, or I was always trying to, because I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty confident and secure now, but you know, it's, it's through, um, coping skills and and I'm still working on that it's through therapy coping skills and I'm not ashamed to say that um yeah you shouldn't be it's um but then it it was a struggle yeah it was a struggle yeah and um and ultimately that's what we want to talk about that as moms you know there are these added pressures and looking nice and and you know as I look back, I I really think I I was attractive. Yeah, you, I, you still are. Well, thank you, but I mean, <laughs> I I was attractive. Now you know. Now I look back. I mean, my my mother was beautiful. My grandmother was beautiful. I think my dad was handsome. I mean, you know, I you know I think I came from good genes. But instead of looking at that, you know, I would pick at myself. Yeah. And then as I grew up, 
after childhood, like when you remember. Yeah. My negativity was on wanting to please yeah. other people. Yeah. Instead of myself. Instead of yourself. So and, you nitpicked on your body. Right. Yeah, and I mean like looking at you and looking at me, we do have very similar bodies. And I think that we're rocking it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I think you're a beautiful woman. Thanks. I yeah. think you're a beautiful oh. woman. <laughs> I'm glad we're at where we're at. Me too. Me too. So even with that blank butt and the bubble butts, we're rocking those butts. Yeah. So if my little man ends up having a booty... We're just going to let it happen. We're not going to bring attention. No. And we're just going to... We've gonna... learned so much over the years. Yeah. And I... Yeah. I hope I'm here to be able to see your little man. Mm-hmm. So that I can see what shape he's going to have. And yeah. how he's going to grow with... To be have tremendous confidence. Totally. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. I'm and really proud of you. Thank you. Now let's go get the little guy because he woke up from a nap. So, <laughs> all right, thanks. I love your mom, Latina. She's so cute. She is. I just want to put out there and kind of throw a thank you for my mom being vulnerable and sharing her story and 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 really just opening up and letting me into that struggle and, and allowing all of us into that personal story. So thanks. I sat down with my mom as well and chatted with her about what it was like growing up with my grandmother because she has some very clear body image issues that we have all been aware of growing up. And I was able to talk to my mom a lot about what that was like. I don't have it on record, but I will share with you right now our conversation. Basically, my grandmother grew up with a younger sister who most likely had an eating disorder. So the focus of my grandmother's family was really on her sister not eating, fear of her not gaining weight, and bribing her a lot with toys and attention if she would eat. So she grew up very spoiled. In retrospect, my grandmother had a larger body, and so her mom would call her fat and say, you shouldn't be eating that, and you're not little like your sister. Or even saying, um, like, you've got your grandfather's knees, your knock-kneed Carol, and would make her wear long skirts to keep her knees from showing. So all of these things led to a struggle for her to accept her body her entire life. Uh, my grandmother grew up associating small and petite and tiny with pretty and attention and love. So she really developed some very strong associations with weight and acceptance and desirability. And because this was sort of the norm and years and years and years ago, there was no narrative therapy. Those are the stories and the labels that she developed and carried her whole life. So my mom remembers growing up and having my grandmother say something along the lines of, oh, your clumsiness takes after me if my mom would trip. Or it was in the 70s and my grandmother would tell my mom, oh, you have my long legs, so it's too bad you can't wear hot pants. <laughs> And she was also a calorie counter, my grandmother. My mom remembers her having a sheet on the counter, tracking every bite she took and having an association with it being naughty to eat sweets and using words like indulgent. And so my mom really grew up with 
knowing my grandmother struggled with her body and trying to find that fine line between do I have my mom's body or is this genetically passed down or is this my mom's issues? My mom says that her father was very affirming and very encouraging. And so it really did protect her from owning a lot of these stories. But even to this day, my grandmother's in her 80s and she will literally say to my mom, even just a couple weeks ago, like, that's a cute outfit. You just have those big hips. That's just our family's genetics. And we'll say like, oh, this shirt looks so cute. If only we could get rid of this and would grab her waist. And so my mom feels like you're looping me into your body image issues. And how do I separate myself out from this? Another interesting example my mom gave me was my grandmother saying, oh, we just have the family nose. And too bad we can't wear ponytails because it really accentuates the nose. And so my mom growing up, fearful of wearing a ponytail and even to this day wondering how her haircut will accentuate her nose or not and so my mom's really had to work through all of that she did struggle with her body image and so my mom shared with me that you know after kids there was this concept of now we have the mom bod my mom does talk about how in her generation of raising kids, she didn't really feel like there was much judgment of how talking about weight would affect kids. There wasn't those statistics out there. There wasn't that negativity about talking about not liking your body. So she said, you know, back in the 80s, backyard play dates, the moms would have contests about who could lose the baby weight the fastest, but it wasn't embarrassing or something to hide. So my mom was really sharing with me how my generation, Tina, our generation, we have learned to be much more careful about the way we talk about our body, but it didn't used to be that way. It was just factual. Like you remember your mom being a certain size, she was kind of talking about it factually, commiserating about it in a way that was normal to that generation. Do you, do you feel like your mom mm -hmm. shared that as well? Yeah, she did say that because we had, brought up a situation where she was commenting on my body and also my friend's body who had just had a baby but in a positive light in her view in her perspective but to me I had to keep redirecting afterwards that hey this isn't something that we're seeing as a compliment it's actually bringing more focus to our bodies in a way that that isn't our identity and she has shared that your generation just sets firmer boundaries around body talk. Now, granted, I understand that not everyone is living in this this world of setting appropriate boundaries around the body, but it is existing a lot more than it was during their time. So I agree, and I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast, because we really want to spread the word that those boundaries are okay to have and normal to have, and we want to... We don't want our generation of moms to continue to commiserate about our bodies and to continue to put pressure on each other to lose the weight. We want this to stop at our generation so that the next generation can really truly be free to love their bodies without any labels. So I think it's awesome that you were able to interview your mom and I was able to interview our mom, my mom and to kind of gain that perspective. But I also think that in these stories, just because we have these genetic links to our parents and their bodies, 
I also have my own body. And so in my experience, I want to talk more about our experiences with our bodies to really separate those two different perspectives. Like I was saying before, my mom and my body are pretty similar. We both have thighs, we have butts, we have boobs, and I'm a curvy human, but I'm also short and my mom's kind of tall or average. So I'm a a mesh of my mom and dad's family really well. And I think hot, I am a hot commodity. So I like the mesh, I like the mesh up. But about body comments, I have had a positive body experience, but people have offered comments that have kind of been unwarranted, not in a negative way, I just haven't asked for them. So for example, my entire life I have heard comments about my butt, starting in my memory as young as third grade, I remember people bringing it up that like, you have a booty and you have a bubble butt and- Putting labels on it. Putting labels on it, yeah. It didn't affect me negatively, but I remember it. And throughout that life, it has been one of the main features of my body that people have commented on. But now, post-baby, my baby made room for my hip for himself, so my hips got wider, my butt got smushed. So it is not as bubbly. It, it doesn't look the but same. But that makes me sad because I love your booty. It's like one of defining pieces of who you are. Exactly. And it's not the same. My, my body is not the same. So it is sad and it's also makes me come at that from a different perspective because now what are people going to talk about? Your personality. Switch to... Hopefully, hopefully. So with all that being said, even though this wasn't perceived in my light as a negative, it was something that was talked about my entire life. And my slight fear is that how is this being perceived by other individuals that are maybe more predisposed genetically for eating disorders or negative body image or have a more sensitive of a personality that then they're actually taking on these comments as a negative identity. Whereas I was able to take that on as a positive or a neutral perspective in my life. I fear that others, if we just allow these comments to exist without boundaries, that they're not actually going to be able to set healthy boundaries. Yeah, I think when our clients come in, they often present a struggle with lifelong stories like that like it does create a complex for them and Mm -hmm. they feel like the boundaries were crossed and now they are having insecurities about their hips or their booty or whatever the family story is Mm -hmm. because it's been talked about their whole life and now they sit there and say oh no it's factual that I have this this nose and I am insecure about it but I should be because it's just factual And to your point, how someone with a certain personality maybe can reflect that and others take that so personally and then have to really unpack that in therapy. Yeah. For me, 
it was interesting to see that like genetically I do have the hips I have the body of my mom and so I kind of took that super serious when it came to my birth story and so assuming hey my mom she was early with all the kids. She had a very easy birth. And so if I have her body, I'm going to have her birth. And so I took off work early. I prepped myself. I had it locked in my head that I was going to give birth early, as early as two weeks before my due date. And then I had my baby 13 days post-due date and that experience for me was so hard that I had to continuously separate that I'm not actually 100% my mom. I am my own individual but going 13 days late while now I can look back and go it's amazing because now my baby is a well-cooked baby and he's developmentally awesome but mentally it was messing with my head and it was a really hard 13 days. I agree with that. I am third in line. My mom, my grandmother, my mom, then me. I am third in line of a legacy of strong personality women. Type A's, perfectionists, go-getters. And my whole life I've been told you're just like your mom and your grandmother. And I look like them. You line the three of us up and people like take a step back because it is, we're, we're just clones of each other. So I had to learn how my personality and some of my physical characteristics were hereditary, but my weight and curves have been different. I was raised being told by my mom and my grandmother how quote unquote lucky I am to be in a thinner body and how I don't have to quote unquote worry about my body. While this did lead to me having a more positive body image, now that I'm in this field, I realize that words like lucky and worry are exactly what keeps diet culture alive. Because in that language, they're degrading their bodies with their wistful tones. And lucky doesn't mean thin. And worry doesn't mean thin. And so I really had to unpack the fact that while I'm grateful that I have a positive body image, I also need to realize how their language and their poor relationship with their body is something that I still need to help other people challenge because it's keeping diet culture alive. So while our stories are a big part of who we are, there is a genetic component to our sizes. And while we want to make sure we don't blame moms for kids developing eating disorders, because that is something that was a huge feature of eating disorder treatment years and years ago, it felt like it was usually the mother's fault or the family dynamic fault. We have now learned so much more about the development of eating disorders, it is part psychological and it is part environmental. We are not at all saying, look at our parents' relationship with their bodies and therefore that's how people develop eating disorders. And if anything, we want to share that our parents do not have great relationship with their bodies and Tina and I have not developed personal eating disorders. But we are very passionate about the overall concept of helping mamas accept their genes and their genes. Tina and I are fascinated though about the genetics. So Tina, can you share about the Ansel study? So in this study, I'm going to link it in the show notes. I think it's great. Originally, it's like a 3,000 or 1,000 page study. So this is a really short four page study. But basically, it's this study done in the 40s with a group of men that did not have eating disorders or any sign of 
eating struggle, body image struggle. It was your regular Joe Schmo over here. And it was a year-long study that was done, three-month control period of feeding regularly, six months control period of semi-starvation at all different levels, and then a three-month control period of refeeding. And what they showed in this six-month control period of semi-starvation was these individuals actually developed eating disorder symptoms. So while we have our genetics that are loading the gun, we have our environment that ultimately is triggering these struggles. And that's why we believe breaking this cycle is so essential for raising body-loving kids because the environment is very powerful. Yeah. I personally see in my practice this skyrocket of adolescents coming in with food and body image struggle. And there are studies done that show around 35 to 50% 57% of adolescent girls are engaging in crash dieting, fasting, self-induced vomiting, diet pills or laxatives. And that to me is so concerning. And so while we're sitting here talking about our stories, Rachel and I didn't actually personally develop any sort of eating disorder. We are trying to make sure that our children are raised in positive environments so they themselves can have positive body experiences, positive food experiences. And going back to my story that I shared about the bathing suit situation with my daughter in the previous episode, research is now showing that 50% of preschool age girls are dissatisfied with the way they look. That's so sad. My daughter's in preschool and I can, again, not imagine how if I had sat there in the mirror and made negative comments about my body, how she would develop that and be part of that statistic. Yeah. So to me, our genetics aren't necessarily majorly changing. It's something about the environment that is happening, the way that we're talking to ourselves, the way that we're experiencing ourselves that are creating and developing more and more of this diet culture. And so I think it's important that as moms and dads, but more specifically for this podcast, moms, that we are having a better relationship with ourselves so that we can pass that along to our children. And I know we've been talking about girls and women, but since I have a little boy, I think it's really important that I'm sensitive to the fact that he could develop negative body image or a a low self-esteem if I myself or my husband are talking about ourselves in a negative way. So it's important for me to raise him in a sensitive way where he can respect his body, his peers' body, and he can learn how to speak to individuals in a way that shows his identity outside of just his physical appearance. And I feel strongly about not putting my story or my family story on my daughter and my sons because I watched my grandmother develop these labels for herself from her mom and then loop my mom into those stories and then loop me a little bit into those I want to make sure it stops with me that I am not assuming anything about what my daughter's body size or shape is going to be or what my son's body size or shape is going to be that I'm just going to let them be them I have noticed an interesting difference too with 
the way my daughter is treated and complimented out in public versus my boys. My daughter is just more naturally aware of her clothes and matching them and her bows and looking cute. But it's also because as soon as we go out, she gets tons of compliments on our clothes. She's told that she looks adorable and what a pretty dress. And I'm glad. I want her to feel good about herself. But I've noticed no one's telling my boys, like, what a cute Lego shirt. (laughs) Like, I love your Spider-Man shirt. Like, my boys just aren't complimented on how they look. And while as of now it's pretty innocent, it is something that I'm trying to keep in mind of because I don't want it to be... My daughter's only being complimented for her physical appearance, and my boys are being complimented for their performance. Exactly. I think what Tina and I are exploring in this episode and in our personal relationships with our bodies and in our practices is genetically, we have DNA, and that forms what our bodies look like. That's just factual. But we don't need to put extra labels and emotions and meaning onto those genetics your story is ever evolving it isn't written in your dna strand and it isn't written in your family culture we truly believe that you can find peace with your body regardless of what happened in the womb and regardless of what conversations happened around the dinner table so the big question we want to leave with you today as your takeaway is how do you want your story to be written I want to thank everyone for joining in today, listening to your story, and I hope you all tune in next time when we'll be chatting about your genes with a G. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaVoy. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans The Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.